Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Nature of truth. And the reason we're looking at the nature of truth is for two reasons. Number one, your definition of truth Okay, your definition of truth will determine how you will walk with the Lord and the strength of your defense against error. In other words, how you see truth, how you define truth will determine how you will walk with the Lord. It will determine how you are going to be able to resist any kind of error that is brought your way. In John chapter 8, reading from verse number 37, we read a very interesting account of Jesus Christ with the with Pilate in those days. John chapter 8, reading from verse number 37. Bible tells us there, Pilate therefore said unto Pilate therefore said unto him, Thou art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end I was born, and for this cause I came into the world. That I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Now look at verse number 38. The Bible says, Pilate said unto him, What is truth? And when he had thus said, Now when he had said this, He went out again unto the Jews, And said unto them, I find in him no false at all. Now Pilate asked the question that has been echoed all throughout the century. A lot of people ask the question, what is the truth? You hear different verses of stories and you ask yourself, and people say, well, what is the truth? The thing is that it is one issue that a lot of people ask questions about. Now, if you look at verse number 38, the question is important, but what Pilate did after he asked the question was even more significant. The Bible tells us in verse number 38 that after he asked that particular question, he went out. Pilate's question was important, but Pilate's action was such that it gave that particular question a different meaning. It is so amazing that when he asked the question, he did not stop long enough to get the answer. He asked the question, but he did not stop long enough to answer to receive the answer. We are told, as many people, we talk about, I want to know the truth. I want You want to fight for human rights. You want to fight for this. You want to fight for that. A lot of people say, we want to know the truth. The question, the amazing thing is that they don't stick around long enough to find out what the truth is really. What the truth really is. By the time you begin to investigate a particular situation, they say, oh, it's getting for too long. They, begin, they become bored and they start moving on to something else. People say they want to know the truth, but they are not willing to wait long enough to hear what the truth has to say. Pilate's answer is, uh, Pilate's action is representative of millions today who do not honestly want to seek, who do not honestly seek to know the truth. They follow every kind of idea that is out there, but when they talk about knowing the truth, they don't really take the time to search for the truth and to find it, what, you know, to find out what it is. There are a lot of people who pay lip service to truth, but when the time comes for them to identify and side with the truth, they simply walk away. 
If you look at a lot of people, they say, yes, I want to know the truth, I want to know the truth. But by the time you start exposing what the truth is all about, what you will find is that they find that truth uncomfortable. They find the truth not too good. You look at the relationship between the husband and wife, many people know about it. The woman, after dressing in front of me, say, honey, honey, how do I look? You really don't want to know what the man is thinking. I'm sure you really don't want to know. Because if he tells you, you are going to start another round of trouble. Okay? And then some counselors will start making money. The point you are making is that we say we want the truth. We say we want the truth. But many of us are not willing to wait and hear that truth. Many of us are not really interested in the truth. We say it because we want to pay a lip service to it. But the truth is that you don't really want to know. The question is, why do we find truth so uncomfortable? Why do we find truth so disturbing? Why do we make it, why is, why does truth make us, you know, so, you know, makes us agitated? Why is it that we always feel jittery anytime the war, anytime we're about to be exposed to the truth of the word of God? Why? Why do we find truth uncomfortable? There's a particular fiction writer, I think her name is Holly Black, and she said, truth is messy. It is raw and it is uncomfortable. I said, that's why you can't blame people who prefer lying, who prefer lies. Because, I mean, you, the woman knows that she is getting enlarged on the other side of the body. But she still wants the man to tell, oh, your honey, you look excellent. <laughs> because you don't want to be told that you don't look so good. Okay? Especially when the face, when the things are not as upright as they used to be anymore. Okay? When you need some things to be able to firm up some of those areas that are sagging. You need something. You don't want to hear it. Nobody wants. That's why Botox is selling. People keep shooting those things in their faces. It's not because they don't know that they are getting old, but they don't want to be confronted with that truth. That is, that one is funny right now. But if you look at the things in our own lives, there are some things we know that we are doing, but we don't want to be told. Nobody wants to be reminded that, my friend, what you are doing is wrong. Nobody wants to be told that what you're doing is wrong. So truth is so messy, is so raw, and is so uncomfortable. You can't blame people when they don't want to hear, when they prefer hearing lies. The lie tells you you are the best thing that ever happened after sliced bread. Somebody tells you you are the best thing, you know. That's why people do all sorts of funky things. Because those things that they hear make them feel okay. It makes them feel comfortable. It makes them feel accepted. It makes them feel important. But when you tell somebody the truth... Only a matured mind is able to receive it. So, it is possible that many of us find it, you know, it is possible that many of us find truth uncomfortable because I'll suggest some reasons. The first one is that truth is not interesting and truth is not exciting. That's one of the reasons why people don't find it. That's why people, many people feel uncomfortable. Truth is not interesting. Truth is not exciting. If you look at where people have fun the most, it's where people don't tell themselves the truth. A people, when you see a group of people, we used to say something back home in Africa. We say that when you see two brothers go into a room and they come out laughing, they have lied to each other. But if they go into a room and they come out and you see their eyes as red as anything and one of them is fuming or you see them sweating, somebody has told the truth in that meeting. Okay. Because when you go into a meeting and the two of you are serious, you know somebody's not. And that's why I tell people, when you see a husband and a wife and they don't fight, two possibilities. One of them is a moron and the other one is a liar. <laughs> Honestly, one of them is lying. Because if you are not lying, there is no way you will look at somebody and tell them that truth and they will, two of you will still, no, 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 no. No matter how mature you are, something inside of you doesn't like to hear it. 
So, number one, many of us are feel comf- uncomfortable with the truth because truth is not interesting and truth is not exciting. Number two, truth it will not conform to our image. That is why many of us are not comfortable with the truth. Truth will never conform to your image. The truth will be what the truth is, regardless of how you feel about it. Okay? Regardless of what you think about it. Regardless of whether you are happy about it or whether you are not happy about it. It's just like if your account is in negative. Okay? You go to the bank, you have a negative balance in your account. No matter how you feel about it. It doesn't change the fact that your account is negative. Okay? Even if you don't like it. Even if you want to pretend that you are, you know, you are, that you are all that, as long as that account balance is still zero, it is still zero. The point we are making is that truth will not conform to your image. Truth will not conform to the to the, to the status that you are trying to project. Number three, pr- truth is no respecter of person. A liar is a liar. It doesn't matter who says it. Okay. A thief is a thief. It doesn't matter who it is. Okay? Truth is no respecter of persons. That's why we don't like it. That's why we're uncomfortable. The question is, why do we find truth uncomfortable? We want to believe, you know, I want to believe that everybody here this morning is interested in knowing the truth. Because we, you know, we are interested in knowing the truth if we can find it. Many of us here are interested in, you know, to, are willing to face the truth if you are willing to show it to us. And I'm sure many of us are here today. That's why you keep coming back for this African man to keep talking. Because you are not afraid of the truth if it is revealed to you. Okay? But I want to believe that part of the reason why we do not stick around to hear the truth long enough is because of what I refer to as a fundamental misconception about truth and the nature of truth. The misconception about truth. That is why many of us find it very difficult to be able to stick around to hear the word, to hear truth. In John chapter 18 that we read the other time in verse number 37, the Bible told us that Pilate therefore said unto him, Thou art thou king of the Jews, art thou, that, art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou seest that I am a king. To this end I was born, and for this cause I came into the world, that I may bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. And Pilate said unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and said unto them, I find no fault at all. What is truth that's the question what is truth deuteronomy chapter 32 even verse number 4 tells us he is the rock his work is perfect for all his ways are judgments a god of truth without iniquity just and right is he in other words this verse is telling us number one the nature of truth the nature of god is truth number two what is truth psalm 33 verse 4 for the word of the Lord is right, and all his work is done in truth. In other words, the truth is, this verse tells us that the word and the deeds of God are number, are number, are number two, truth. Number three, John chapter 14 verse 6. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. That tells us that truth, the nature of truth, is Jesus is truth personified. In other words, truth is a person. Truth is a person. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You have to get to know the person of our Lord Jesus Christ for you to understand what truth is all about. But there are those who will say, well, that is your own story. You are a Christian, so you can believe all that crap. Okay? I am not a Christian, so your truth is not my truth. Okay? You, you, you believe the Bible, I don't believe the Bible, so whatever the Bible says to you is true for you, but it's not true for me. They are, do they, they, yes, they have a point. To someone who is outside of the Christian faith, what is truth to that person? 
What is true to somebody who does not believe in Jesus Christ? What is true to somebody who is not a Christian? What is true to somebody who is not a member of the body of Christ? According to this particular book that you are seeing here, it's written by Brad and uh, Brad uh, Stetson and uh, Joseph Conti. And here they define seven different views of truth. And in this particular seven views of truth, we are going to begin to see how people view truth who are outside of the church. People who are outside of the Christian faith, how they see truth. Number one, this particular guy says, they, these people said, truth, there's, there's what is called the relative view of truth. And what do they mean by the relative view of truth? It means that truth is whatever you want it to be. Okay? So there are people who believe that truth is whatever you want it to be. And that is why they say, your truth is not my truth. What is good for you, what is true for you, is not true for me. It simply means that is a relative view of truth. Your truth is not my truth, so truth is whatever I want it to be. If I want this cup to be a god, I can call it a god. And there's nothing you can do about it. Okay? So, truth is what I say it is. That's, that's, the mean, that's the relative view of truth. The second view is what is called the pragmatic view of truth. Pragmatic view of truth simply says, truth is what works. If it doesn't work, it's not true. And that is, the, that is the same idea that is running most of our society. And that is why you find that if a moron knows how to be able to make money and then comes on TV, they respect the word of that moron because he has the money and they believe that he's doing something right. As such, that's why you have to listen to him. But if you have not seen the result, if you are doing something and we can't find the result, you are not qualified to speak. That is the pragmatic view of truth. Truth is what works. Number three, there's what is called the empirical view of truth. In other words, truth is what you can sense and perceive with your senses. In other words, if you can see it, it is true. If you can feel it, it is true. If you can sense it, it is true. In other words, if you can't feel it, if you can't sense it, it is not true. And that's why people have difficulty believing there is a God. Because they can't see Him, they can't sense Him, they can't smell Him. Okay? But the question I ask them is that, do you feel love? You can't smell it, you can't feel it, you can't calculate it, but there's something called love, and there's what something that is called broken-hearted. Okay? You can't feel it, you can't calculate it, you can't smell it, but it is there. So, empirical, you know, there's, there's what is called the empirical view of truth. Number four, there's what is called the rational view of truth. The rational view of truth. And that rational view of truth says that truth is what reason declares. In other words, you sit down. You think about it. And you are able to think about it logically. As long as you are able to think about it logically, it is true. If you cannot think about it, if it doesn't make sense to you, then it is not true. Okay? Then there's also that view, what is called the coherent view of truth. The coherent view of truth says that truth is coherent to of a group of ideas. So if you have idea number one, idea number two, if those two ideas, if they, those two ideas are in agreement, it means that they are true. Okay? Then we have what is called the emotional view of truth. The emotional view of truth is I feel. Truth is whatever I feel. And that's why you hear people when they talk, they say, I feel that this is good. I feel that that is good. Everything is feeling. So today they are up. Tomorrow they are down. And you see it even in the church. Today you say, God told me. Tomorrow God told me. You will now begin to wonder. God told you to, hold, to, to marry this particular man. After two weeks, God now told you not to marry that person. What is going on? Is God changing his mind every minute? That is the emotional view of truth. Then finally you have what is called the corresponding view of truth. Correspondence view of truth says, truth is what corresponds to reality. In other words, truth is what you are able to, truth is what is actually happening. What you are able to, what corresponds to the reality that you are experiencing. So that is true. Now please note that there are elements of truth in each of all these seven views. There's an element of truth in all of them. 
Okay, because truth can be you. You know what is true can be seen. What is true can be felt. What is true can be can be you know can be calculated. I mean, there are so many. There are elements of each of these. But what we want to understand is this: they may not be universally applicable to everything. The fact that you have an element of truth in certain areas, in certain views, does not mean that it's universally applicable to everything. I'll give you an example. There's this preference. If I say to you, steak is better than tofu, okay? Steak is better than tofu. For some reason, if for some, at some level, it is true. True in the sense that, in terms of my preference, I'd rather eat steak than eat tofu. I don't know about you. <laughs> I don't want to eat. So, if you're talking about the preference, that is true. But for some other persons, tofu might be the best thing that ever happened on this earth. Okay? So, that is on the basis of preference. So, if you say steak is better than tofu, and you want to declare it as an absolute statement, that is not correct. Because some people like steak, and some people like tofu. Alright? So, we need to understand that these truths, there are elements of truth in them, but they are not universally, they may not be universally applicable. Now, I highlighted those seven different views of truths. For one you know, for reasons. For one particular reason. And the reason is because there is consequence to the view of truth that you hold. There is a consequence. The truth that you hold has an impact upon your life. How you see life. Okay? How you see truth. The kind of view of truth that you have has an impact upon your life. If you have that emotional view of truth... Which means everything that you think is true, you must feel it. If you don't feel it, what happens? If you want to walk with God and you are waiting for you to feel God, you are not going to get anywhere. Because you are not going to feel Him. He might refuse to allow you to feel Him. So the point is that how your view of truth... Your understanding of truth, your imagine, your your your, or your your own idea of truth, has a consequence, has impact upon the way you live your life. Okay, if truth is relative, that is, the truth is whatever you want it to be. So, if you don't like it, it means it's not true. If we say that truth is relative, that means we want truth to be whatever, whatever, whatever we want is what truth is. In which means, if I don't like something, that means it's not true. In other words, you tell somebody a student goes to class, he fails a test. The teacher says that you got an F in this particular class. You say I don't like it. So whatever you say is not true. You think that student is going to graduate? No way. You can you can claim you can claim the relative view of truth for as much as you want. You can say, I don't like it, so it's not true. You can say, oh, but it's not going to change your grade. Okay? So, you will notice that if you don't like it, it's not true. It does not mean that that's what you are saying is still not true. It simply means that you are delusional. Okay? So, if truth is pragmatic, which means that only the ideas that work is true, which means if it does not work, it is not true. That's not also true. Okay? The fact that your car is not working doesn't mean that that car is not a car. It just simply means that the car is not working. Alright? So, the fact that you say that the truth is only... The fact that you say that truth is only what works does not stand test, does not hold true in every situation. When you say truth, if truth is empirical, then truth is what you can measure. In other words, if you cannot measure it, it is not true. Can you measure love? On which scale can you measure love to say, okay, on a scale of one... How, you are just imagining. You can't measure it. There's no way you can calculate it. Okay? So, the fact that you can't calculate doesn't mean that you don't fall in love? No. Does it mean you don't feel sad? No. Does it mean you don't feel happy? 
the father you can't measure it so the idea is that if truth is empirical you know that means if you cannot perceive it then it is not true then if truth is rational it means if your mind cannot calculate it it is not true if truth is incoherent and you can go down the list and down this like that but one thing we want to understand is this the last the point i want to make here is this the way we define truth will reflect not only how we will walk with god but how we are going to accept him and his creation how we define truth will reflect on not only how we walk with God, but how we accept Him and His creation. And that is why there is only one view of the truth that the Scriptures support. Only one view of the script, yeah, truth. Okay? Somebody wants to argue, say, why do you all Christians always like to say there's only one way to be saved? There's only one way to get there. Why is it only one way? Aren't you, don't you, aren't you supposed to have other ways? The question is that if you have two ways, somebody will ask for number three. If you ask for 1,000 ways, another person will ask for 1,001. Okay? <laughs> so where do you stop? The point is that there is always that exclusive right. But as I'm, I'm digressing now. So why is there, there's only one way, there's only one view of truth that is compatible with the Christian worldview. And that particular, and that particular view is what I refer to as the correspondent view of truth. And what is the correspondent view of truth? The correspondent view of truth is what corresponds to reality. Okay, if I tell you that electric poles don't move, hmm? you know that electric pole, the one that you put Comcast and electric and everything, if I say they don't move, how do we know? How can you test if what I'm saying is true? Okay, let me ask you this. If you get to the stoplight, say you are driving home right now, you get to the stoplight and you put your legs on your brake. Okay, as soon as you put your legs on your brake, you look out the window. And you see an electric pole. Okay? And the electric pole is moving. What comes to your mind? Number one, you have not placed your you have not pressed your brakes strongly enough. Okay? You will assume that your car is still moving. That's why the electric pole is moving. Alright? The reason is because you know, I know, except of those of us who are in clover bottom. We know that electric pole don't move, right? You know the electric pole don't move. So when you get to a stop sign and you press the brake and the electric pole is moving, the first thing that comes to your mind is, my car is still moving. The first thing that comes to your mind is, oh, electric poles move. You don't do that. Okay? Why do you do that? That's because the truth that you know, that electric poles don't move, corresponds to reality that you are experiencing right now, that you are looking at. Okay? If electric poles move, when you get to the stop sign and you see the electric pole is moving, you will not be worried because that's the reality. Electric poles move. But we know the electric poles just move and that is why when you press the brake and you see it moving, something goes into your brain. My brakes are not properly applied. Okay? So, the only view that the Christian world, the, the only view, the only view of truth that the Bible supports is what is called the correspondence view of, uh, of, of, of truth. And that is the reality that God creates. And that's why the Bible tells us, it says that what you see is not as real as what you don't see. We refer to that as law of double creation. In other words, before anything comes to life, you first of all have to see it in the spirit. If you cannot see it in the spirit, it will never happen. And that is why he say, whatever you say, it will happen. In other words, you have to first of all create it in the spirit for it to come to reality. The ultimate reality is the reality of God. And that is what truth is all about. That is what truth is all about. So what is, you know, 
And then what, then what is truth? You know, correspondent view of truth is simply saying that for something to be truth, there must be a decisive connection between a statement and the reality that is reflected. When we talk about the law of gravity, you don't have to believe the law of gravity, you know. You don't have to believe it. But you can always test whether that law of gravity works if you go to Batman's Tower in downtown and jump and see what happens. Okay? When you jump, I'm not excuse, I'm not telling you to go and come jump anytime. I'm just saying, if you want to test the law of gravity, whether it is true or not, whether it corresponds to reality or not, go to Batman's Tower, jump, and see whether you are going to float. Okay? If you float, that means the law of gravity doesn't work. That means it's not true. But we know it corresponds to reality because if you throw it up, no, I don't want to break my pen. If you throw it up, it goes down. That is the reality. So when we talk about truth, correspondence view of truth, we're talking about what actually, there has to be a decisive connection between the statement that you are making and the reality that it refers to. Okay? For something to be true, there has to be a decisive connection between it. The actual nature of what we conve- what is conveyed by the statement is not changed or affected by our correct or incorrect description of it. You don't have to believe in the law of gravity. You don't have to. Okay? You can argue it till tomorrow. It doesn't change anything. It still happens. When you throw the pen up, it still comes down. It's as simple as that. You don't have to believe it. Okay? In other words, your interpretation of the truth does not matter. It doesn't change the fact. It remains the same way. There was a there was this guy that talks about the fact that what view uh, what truth is all about. He said men never makes truth. They only recognize the value of this currency of God. Another was what the guy is saying is that truth is not what you create. Truth is what you discover. You don't create truth. No matter how powerful or how influential you are, you don't create truth. You discover the truth. Okay. So why in, that is why truth cannot be based on your preference. Truth cannot be based on my preference. Truth cannot be based on the benefit that I derive. Truth cannot be based on my senses. Truth must be based on what is called objective. It must be outside of yourself. It must be stable. It must be what? It must be unchanging. It must define reality and it must be eternal. There has to be a standard upon which every other thing can be compared. Okay? If we are talking about, or we are talking about, uh, we're talking about the, the measure of a particular substance. Say you want to buy, uh, let's say, let's say you want to buy a weight of gold. If there is no standard to measure what one ounce of gold is, how would you know that you are giving the gold that you give to my brother Ayabona is the same one that you are giving to Mr. Tu? How would you know that you are giving the same amount of measure if there is no standard? And that is what truth is all about. It has to be objective. It has to be unchanging. It has to be something that is outside of yourself. It has to be something stable. Something that you can relate to. That regardless of anywhere you go, the standard is the standard. That is what truth is all about. Okay? That is what truth is all about. Now, I have spent a lot of time trying to give you an idea of what the nature of truth is. The question is, nature. Well, what is the nature of truth? Number one, the nature of truth is, is objective. Truth is truth regardless of how people feel about it. It doesn't matter whether you like it or you don't like it. Truth is truth. Number two, what is the nature of truth? Truth is non-contradictory. Truth is non-contradictory. Let me give you an example of that. If for some reason, tomorrow morning, you are going, you know, you just walk along or you just, you, you went to a particular office space and you saw my wife. And when you saw her, you saw her walking like this. I said, ah, Dr. Tuna, are you pregnant? She said, yes. And I'm walking right next to her. Let's say both of us are walking right next to each other. And you see her, she's doing like this. 
Say, Dr. Tuna, are you pregnant? He say yes, and I say no. You will say, oh, you will first of all step back. What is happening between these two people? Is she pregnant or is she not pregnant? Okay? If she say yes and I say no, what will be going through your mind is that, okay, maybe she's pregnant, she has not told him. Okay? Or maybe they are trying to play a trick, uh, a trick on me. Or maybe they are trying to... You know, all sorts of things will be going through your mind. Why does that happen in your mind? Because a question under similar condition cannot give you two opposing answers. Okay? And that is why... Two plus two cannot be four and five at the same time. You know that. It is not possible. That's what I mean by truth is non-contradictory. You cannot look at her and say, I'm pregnant. And at the same time, I say she's not pregnant. Something is wrong. And that's why I tell people, it is not possible for God to say, I have a son. And you state on another group of people, I don't have a son. If, it be, if it's the same God, he's a contradictory God. And that's why when people say we are serving the same God, we are not. There are two different things. The same question in the same condition cannot elicit two opposing answers. It doesn't work. You don't do it in life. You don't do it in... It's just like you take your passbook or whatever checking account. You go to the bank. You say, bank, I'm a bank manager. Do I have money? Your bank manager says yes. The teller says no. Something is wrong. So, truth is non-contradictory. Number three, truth is accurate. Truth is honest, it's accurate, it's precise, it's straight to the point, it's sufficient. It does not need to be added to, it does not need to be redefined. So when you are embellishing the truth, it's no longer true. When you are adding to it, when you are padding it up, when you are making it look good, it's no longer true. Truth is not just, it's not only accurate, truth is also authoritative. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.